what's up, man? Uh, welcome to today's edition of the Orange Bloods Modcast here on the Orange Bloods Texas Football Channel. I'm Jeff Ketchum. That is Anwar Richardson to my right, Jason Sukumel, Alex Dunlap. We're talking Texas football. Do us a solid. Like this video, subscribe to the channel, get notifications, let some people know about it, share it on your socials. And oh, by the way, make sure you go check out our friends Dead Soxy uh, at deadsoxy.com. Take advantage of their 30% off discount that they afford if you use the promo code orange bloods they they're great socks they're they're beautiful to look at they're innovative they've got um it's like the rolls royce of socks and all of us have them uh we all love to wear them uh and just checking out all the various different styles that they have uh, is a lot of fun if you're into your clothing certainly deadsoxy.com again use that promo code orange bloods 30 percent off it's that simple Fellas, I mentioned this, Alex, you missed it, but right before we came on, we were chit-chatting about today's show and kind of what what the center of the conversation is going to be. And the very first thing I'm going to ask you guys today, what's your your record for this team as we sit here in May? As as things currently stand, Vegas has the Longhorns at a over and under at 9.5 with wins and losses. And I saw somebody today merge all of the various wins and losses that Vegas has set up uh, for all the teams in the country. And if you created a standings based on win totals, the Longhorns would be in the top 10. So I'm just kind of curious where all of our heads are, given that 24-7 yesterday projected the Longhorns to make the playoff. And I think to play Ohio State in a playoff game, um, there's just a lot of conversation about this Texas team. It's upside where it belongs in the rankings. And I figured since we're still like a little bit less than four months away from the start of the season, which actually sounds like it's right around the corner, which is kind of exciting. I wondered kind of where all our heads are with this football team, given that it finished eight and five a year ago um, and wasn't one of the best teams in the country. Jason, I'll come to you first. You're Mr. Conservative. Mm. You're Mr. Hold on and wait a minute. And so I'll let you go first with regards to where your head is. Where's your head? So nine and a half was the over and under that you saw? Yes. I feel like those lines as they relate to the Texas Longhorns are always inflated because I don't know if they just think the Texas fan base is always uh, overconfident or people are always going to – I just feel like – the. Yeah, I think last year's was probably, what, eight and a half or nine. I mean, those numbers are always so high for Texas. I think usually overinflated. Um, honestly, Catch, I think that's probably about right this year, though. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm taking probably the over on that. I'm th- if you look at the schedule, I think the only game that Texas will be underdogs in would be Alabama. I'm assuming Texas will be favored over, over Oklahoma you know, K-State, TCU, Texas Tech are all formidable opponents. But I saw, I saw the line for Alabama's what Alabama minus seven and a half. Yeah, like right at a touchdown. Yeah. So um, you know, let's look, let's if I'm just going down the list, and you know, let's say they lose at Alabama, although I think that's a very winnable game uh with Alabama's quarterback situation, but I'll just play the numbers and say they lose at Alabama. I think they're favored in every other game. Now, does that mean they're going to win every other game? No, probably not. I think they're going to stumble somewhere. Maybe uh, maybe Texas Tech at home, at TCU, Kansas State, 
Uh, they, they say suggested possibly Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma will be a pretty good football team this year. So, you know, if I'm just kind of playing the numbers, I don't know what game I would predict them to lose. I need to dig in a little bit more uh, on some of these other opponents. Um, you know, and of course you got BYU and at Houston this year too, but uh, two new opponents. But um, I'm thinking, man, 10 wins seems very, very reasonable expectation for me uh, for this team to win 10 wins. So if that line's at nine and a half, I think Texas goes 10 and two. I just don't know where those two losses would come from. Well, I, I, I can see who doesn't read my columns. So thanks a lot, Jason, <laughs> because I posted the lines of like six or seven things I, on I Sunday. Saw I just skimmed through them, yeah. No, no you didn't see it. You've seen no, the shit because I, I, I literally outlined it in my column where it Texas, obviously Alabama is at the minus seven. Uh, Baylor. That's the only one I really paid attention to on where, but yeah. Okay, thanks, Jason. <laughs> no. Baylor. Baylor's at a, a, a te Texas is minus eight at at, at Baylor, uh, minus seventeen at Kansas, uh, minus five and a half uh, Oklahoma, uh, nine and a half versus K State, uh, six uh, versus TCU. Those are uh, some of the early lines that are available. And let's be honest, I mean those early lines are those will be nowhere near reflective of where they'll be in September and October. But yeah, if you're just looking at it now, I mean, I mean, realistically you could say 11 and one and you know, with a straight face and I'm not going to say 12 and zero, but I think that Alabama game is a very winnable game on the road against Alabama. Even. Al uh, Alex, hey, you, I, I got caught in between just that. I was looking at Anwar Onwar kind of gave. And I said Alex, and I just confused myself. So, were you going to Onwar, or were you going to me? No, you're going to me. I was going to okay. you, but I was looking at Onwar. Okay. Um, hey, maybe y'all can, or someone in the chat, or you guys can help me. Is so Jalen Milrow is not going to be the Alabama quarter? Like, what happened with Milrow? I think he's in a bad. They don't have a starting quarterback yet. But he's, he's just average. He's but 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 he's still there. He's there. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he'd start. The, he'd start at quarterback. Today, if they had a game, I'll always be a little bit scared of that guy. Um, let's see. All right, so you just look at uh, so Rice, that's a win. Alabama, let's just say it's a loss. Wyoming win. Baylor, I mean Baylor lost a lot of good players. Win. Kansas, I would say a win. Oklahoma, probably a win. Houston, win. BYU. How did how did it go over my head that Texas is playing BYU this year? That I don't. All of the new schools are in the Big 12. Um, oh, okay. So that's it. Okay. So BYU. Um, Houston wasn't shocking, but BYU was. <laughs> Houston seems like one of those ones that maybe, like, you know, Houston pops up on the schedule every now and then. BYU. I love that Jason twisted the dagger. Like, we were all kind of thinking it, but. Um, yeah, man, I'm 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 already on to the SEC, boys. I don't care about this crappy Big 12. I couldn't even tell you what schools got added. Who else got added? Was it, was it Cincinnati? Yes. Yeah. And Central Florida. Why do I even write? <laughs> Why do I even write? You guys are reading shit that I write. I'm so insulted today. So, what a, what so a crap conference. Um, TC, I mean, dude, and TC, I would generally worry about TCU, but well, I mean, Jesus, they lost their quarterback. They lost Quentin Johnston. They lost Steve Avila, who's like a second round draft pick. Who else? Kendra Miller. Dylan Horton. But you know, I've seen like a lot of top 25s. Darius Davis. 
Yeah, TCU still mo- on most top twenty-five lists. I think D I winners went to the yeah. So D D winners went to the 49ers. There was another. How many guys? They did pretty well in the portal. Yeah. I think a lot of the optimism on TCU is that they think they've got a starting quarterback in place. The guy that was going to start over Doug in a year actually did start over Doug, and if I'm not mistaken, in the first game of the season, and then he got hurt. Doug and came in and never gave it up. Iowa State lost a lump. Uh, you know, lose Will McDonald, Xavier Hutchinson, the, basically the two guys you worry about the most. T- Texas Tech, I mean, dude, the, I, I'd say 10 wins because the, if they lose to Alabama and, and you know that they're going to – something's going to – they're going to stub their toe somewhere, right? Somewhere along the way. That's just what's going to happen. But I think that that means 10 wins if we're just talking about the re- the regular season total. On work? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking 10 just to be conservative, you know, with it. But you know, I think I, you know, like I said, I've been predicting the fall of Alabama for a little bit, and you know, Gentleman Row. I mean, I, I saw him versus A and M, and maybe that's just a low, you know, bad game. But he did throw three interceptions versus A and M last season, uh, and I, and you, I, after watching that Alabama spring game, there was no parts of me that walked away thinking to myself, like, oh my God, you know, they've they've got this whole thing going, so. You know, it's going to be on the road. So just because it's going to be on the road, hostile environment, uh, you know, that might be, you know, something that's going to, you know, be a little tricky. But it's still a very winnable game for me for Texas. And I see Texas, you know, probably be in the favorites, you know, as we point out, in just about every other game. I think Texas will be more stacked with talent than just that every team that they face uh, this season. You know, I like they're too deep on both sides of the ball. I'm giving them the two just because, you know, I don't want to go fully crazy. Um, but 10 and two seems very reasonable to me. I think that the Longhorns don't have a team on this schedule that they need to fear, right? So really, there, you can be on the Alabama game and there's not a game that jumps out at you as, oh, that's the one that's the second loss. And then, you know, there's just that doesn't exist on the schedule. I think the thing that I think about with this Texas team, and, and look, you guys, if you think you, I'm just flat out wrong or off base, I'd love to hear it. I think the thing that jumps out at me is this is still a team that has to learn how to win consistently. It's not an easy thing to do to say, we're going to be very good every week and win all of our games. This is a team that will look good for, at least historically, and even under Sarkeesian, it's a team that a couple of games go by and you think that they've made some strides and they've turned a corner potentially, and then Oklahoma State happens or the Texas Tech game happens. Or, you know, I, I think we thought that Texas Tech performance, quite frankly, they would have put that kind of performance behind them after playing as well as they did against Alabama and then beating probably at least as good of a team as Texas Tech and UTSA, and then to go on the road and and lose it and and really give that game away in the way that they did. They've got to start – they have to learn to not do that. They have to learn to consistently play well on the road. Um, They beat Kansas State at the end of the year. And we've kind of forgotten that up until that game, they hadn't won any games on the road at all under Sarkeesian. So it's hard for me 
just my brain, it's hard for me to just give them the benefit of the doubt in all of these Big 12 road games because that would be very unlike what we've seen under Sarkeesian's teams at Texas. I worry about the Big 12 screw job. I feel like there will be a game somewhere this season where both Texas and Oklahoma get a screw job. And does it cause them to lose? Remains to be seen. But will there be a game where Texas gets called for 17 penalties? Amsterdam catch. <laughs> I can already see it. I mean, I'm just – look, I was at Grant Taft's last game in the Southwest Conference when he was at Baylor, and they were marking balls five yards. Like, everything was awful in that game. In the name of – maybe that can't happen in 2023 with TV and everything else, but – that Oklahoma State game on war with Charlie Strong sticks out in my mind where a game is over and there are literally 17 calls that you can go back and go, what the hell just happened? Is that the one where you bumped so into I the ref? Yeah, there was a bumping of people in, involving Charlie Strong and a ref. Right. I literally had to write an article kind of calling out what happened that day and I was like a hero on the website. Because there was really this feeling that we got screwed. And then the other two elements of this. Steve Sarkeesian has to be better. He's not been a head coach at Texas where I think his game management between second and fourth quarters is really ever as good as his game management in the first quarter. I mean, he this is a guy that's never really won nine or ten games in a season he has to elevate his performance as a coach. Whoa. Since <laughs> some of that our way. I'm, I'm done for the, for, the, for the show. And then the final thing is, Quinn Ewers is being given a lot of benefit of the doubt. In his last four performances against ranked teams, he has a combined efficiency rating of 97.7. Case McCoy's career quarterback efficiency was 108. That's so (laughs) you add all of this stuff up together, and I don't know. I'm on the fence. 9.5 is kind of a perfect number for me. I think, as I said yesterday with Onwar, I'll probably pick this team to win the Big 12. That means I think nine and three is probably the minimum record to get you into the Big 12 championship game. That would be probably two losses in conference play. I think they're going to get in. I think 9.5 is kind of a perfect number. I think I'm like Jason. I lean towards 10. But I do have all of these things running around in my head that are like, man, if they're going to do that, all of these things really have to swing the way of the Longhorns. They got to play better on the road. They got to play better week to week. They got Sarkeesian's got to be better. Ewers has to really elevate his play. Um, they just week in and week out have to be a better football team, kind of giving them some benefit of the doubt and even admitting I will probably pick them to win the Big 12. Anybody response to any of that? In, in, on the same page. I mean, they're going to play some comp- – you know, TCU last year played in competitive games – more often than not. I mean, Texas is going to be in a lot of one score games. I think they're, 
on paper. Yeah. They're going to lose a game they probably shouldn't on paper, but most teams do. Most teams have those, you know, one or two of those games where they play down to their opponent or they're just not sharp. Um, but you're right, Catch. This is a program that has to prove it can consistently win those kind of close games to get to that 10 win total and take those next steps. Um, I don't know, man, maybe I'm, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, but I'm giving them, like you said, I'm usually the guy that's a slow down, but I'm giving them a little bit more benefit of the doubt. I think the experience at quarterback and offensive line, their skill talent, I think it's going to be really good, obviously. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I think they'll stumble once where they probably shouldn't. Um, but I think they do find a way to win those, uh, one score ball games and get 10 wins. Well, for me, there's like a, a, a couple of things as far as, cause you threw a lot out there. As far as the screw job is concerned, um, don't forget there was an officiating crew last year that didn't call uh, a penalty uh, against a Texas opponent in Oklahoma state and Baylor, uh, both games. Uh, the other team never was penalized. So <laughs> So that, the portion of that is 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 there, and that's true. The the thing is, uh, I can't I, I can't remember. I I didn't know which McCoy you compared Quinn to, but for fair comparison, if you go to uh, Colt, uh, his passer rating as a sophomore was one thirty nine point two. Quinn's last he wasn't good. Yeah, Quinn and Quinn's was one thirty two point six. And Colt threw 22 interceptions in 18, I mean, 22 touchdowns in 18 interceptions that year. Uh, Quinn threw 15 and six last year. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about 12 more interceptions uh, than Quinn did last, you know, than he did in his first season as a starter. So, you know, there is then, of course, there's the legend of Colt McCoy. So, there is a possibility that a young quarterback can improve. Uh, and get better and be something special. So just for that comparison's sake. But if you're going to use Colt, Colt didn't become a good quarterback until his third season as a starter. That's pretty good as freshman yeah. year. One of your Heisman right. finalists his freshman year. Well, I think a lot of people felt like he got by on smoke and mirrors. There were, there were times that season where he was throwing the ball into the end zone at nobody in particular. And Jermichael Finley would come down with it and, you know, he, he caught a lot of breaks that season right up until the part where his body broke in half uh, at Kansas State and throw him on the field against AM. And we all know that was the infamous Cart McCoy game where Michael Bennett slams him into the ground. I, and I believe so that they called it the Cart. Right? I believe that they called it the Cart McCry game. Oh, <laughs> That's what the Aggies called it. Yeah. It's been a while since <laughs> I've seen that reference. So I'll, I'll, I'll lean into Alex's memory of that. But ultimately, McCoy regressed to the mean of where he really was as a player, as a sophomore. And by the end of his sophomore year, there were a lot of people that weren't sure whether or not he should even be the starter. You know, Texas didn't really have anybody because at that point, I don't mean to go on a dissertation of Colt McCoy's career, but at that point, uh, Jevin Sneed transferred. See, we're talking about GJ Kenny and a young, uh, and I think Kenny was a freshman then and Sherrod Harris would have been, a second year or third year or second year player. So it was kind of only Colt McCoy to go to, but the confidence for McCoy going into his third season was iffy at best. Sorry. But no, I mean, just, you know, two guys that were, you know, been on campus for two years. So, you know, just as a, as a comparison. Anwar, I wonder 
would this team be better if we were all doubting them? Like, I think one of the things as Jason was talking about, he's usually the, you know, the hold up guy, the hold on guy and then, or slow down. And even Jason is kind of giving some benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm, Guys, I'm, I somewhat think about that 1990 team, right? The Shock the Nation tour. Feels like this is the type of team that should be on a Shock the Nation tour. They go eight and five, and nobody kind of believes in them. And they go to Alabama and they win that game. And now suddenly everybody's paying attention to them, but they're getting the benefit of the doubt beforehand. It really takes the underdog, us against the world kind of mentality away from them and puts them in a position where I don't know historically this team doesn't do well when people start patting them on the back well and I just I mean for me it's the same thing we've been talking about you know at least I've written about it we've talked about it on the modcast just like at what point do you just say you know all right now's the time to go like they got the players they got the roster like we've examined every portion of this roster people are talking in the chat about how they're unproven at running back and all the rest and what i'd say to that is like if that's the one thing you if 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 you point at running backs and inside linebackers is where you need the help the two positions on the football field that are the easiest to get you know um replacement level players at you know, clearly you're not going to get a replacement level of a Bijan Robinson, maybe not even a Roshan Johnson, right? But those are those are positions where you can you can go get guys to play their play their roles and 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 you know be it not be ancillary to what you do schematically, but be ancillary to some of the other players that are some of the big time play breakers where you just ask these guys to do their jobs, right? You, there's some of these other guys that you need to do more than ask them to do their jobs. They, they need to go out. They need to have this superhuman skills and they have those guys at, at most of the key positions that, that we care about. So to me, the whole running back thing doesn't matter that, I mean, what was CJ Baxter, the second best running back in the nation last year or something like that as, as, as a recruit, Jonathan Brooks, um, uh, Jaden blue, both, both four star guys that people have always been high on. And it's like, it's, it is, I mean, there might not be a Bijan, but they have the depth there that a lot of teams in in the Big Twelve, I'm sure, would gladly trade their <laughs> trade their running back room for the one that Texas has. So, to me, that's not an excuse. The inside linebacker, maybe slight lack of depth, isn't an excuse. You know, there are no excuses for that. Like, if if this team loses, it's going to be because they they weren't coached up right and the personnel wasn't developed in the way that they'd clearly hoped. Let's put a ribbon and bow on this piece of the conversation. Uh, we're all 10 and two as of today, right? Like even I'm, I may be on the fence, but an onward did this to me yesterday. If I, if someone was in, had all of my money, <laughs> it's a very interesting scenario. He, uh, he, he came up with someone has gotten charged my bank account and I have to bet my life savings, checking everything on one of these records at the moment, we're all at 10 and two, Right. Oh man, the whole life savings things makes makes anything hard. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was like, oh god. <laughs> I guess I was uh, ten. But- it would be ten and two or nine and three for me, man, and that's why they put the odds right there at nine and five. I mean, or they that's right where they put the odds at nine point five. I'd rather go to the roulette and just go red or black with my. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you get the stay of execution. Roulette would be either be over really quick in a good or bad way. At least with the season, boy, it'd make those extra points 
<laughs> very difficult to kind of sit through. Um, all right, real quick. Uh, so anybody parting should, before we move on to like another topic, anybody want have any last comments on this chapter of the modcast? Going once, going twice. Sold American. Okay. Let's go into a couple of super chat questions. I want to encourage everybody, get your super chat questions in. I will uh, do my best to make sure that we get to these as early as possible. Uh, Mike, with the very first super chat question of the day, any, uh, Onward, I'll go to you on this. Any update on how Nayor is go, uh, doing? Chances of, of him being ready week uno? Um, the last time I, I checked on it, thank, you know, it's a good one. The last time I checked on it, uh, you know, all that was it was going well. The goal was still to have him ready toward, you know, at, at some point in the summer, but definitely towards training camp is concerned. So, um, you know, that, and I, I want to say I asked about that towards the end of the spring. I checked in and, and asked about that. So, um, you know, obviously the guys are on break at this moment. They come back after Memorial Day. And I'll get, you know, a, a little bit more on that. But the goal was never for him to play this spring. I, it, that was I was told that before spring got started, that that was just off the table. Uh, the goal is just to have him ready uh, for week one. That's the plan. And, and, and I haven't heard any about uh, any setbacks uh, that will prevent that from happening. Can I, I'll just I'll just throw in too, just from what my own eyeballs have seen of him just on the during the time that we've been allowed at practices. I mean, he it isn't. You know, he goes out there and he stretches and he does the stuff like that. Then he goes off to the side. But he's like he's a he's running. He can cut. You know, he's 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 not he's not with the super hurt guys. You know, like he's out there. He's kind of running. He's cutting. He's doing some things. He's doing the resistance work and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I would imagine I would imagine just that to me would say that the timeline's probably right about where we would expect it to be right at that 11 and a half, 12 month mark for. Uh, the, the the recovery for that kind of injury last year during camp. Got one from Jay, the activist. Let's be real. This team is eight wins at best. Tell them catch. Oh, hey, hold on. <laughs> I can't co-sign on eight. God, I hope you're wrong. Why do we trust Quinn or that defense? No good running backs either. Damn, Jay. <laughs> Somebody peed in your cornflakes, Jay. What's going on? <laughs> Jay! I, well, I, I, th I think I addressed the no good running backs thing earlier. They have good running backs. They just don't have Bijan. It's like, how, how are you going to compare any, you know, you lose Bijan, it's obviously going to hurt, but these these guys these guys are not bad. People were dancing in the streets when every single one of these guys committed to Texas. So, I mean, now they're going to have their opportunity. Well, it's eight, funny. The eight running back Right, a would be a colossal disappointment in failure. I would yes. guess, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm not on board with that one, Jay. Sorry. I mean, that would either be, yeah. I mean, that would just you're not playing in the Big Twelve Championship game at eight and four. So very unlikely. Right? I mean, Jay, at best, this team could have won almost all of its games last season, outside of maybe the Washington game, where at the end. That really felt like Washington just beat Texas, but you know, and TCU as well. I mean, we got to, they didn't really score until that last defensive touchdown two minutes to go in the game. I do want to, on the running back thing, I think one of the interesting pieces of that discussion, and it weaves in with the Quinn discussion, is that they won't be as good at running back this year, which means you would expect Quinn. And the passing game that need to pick up the slack a little bit 
kind of interesting to recall last season where they were you know, that was one of the best running back duos in the history of the program. I mean, I haven't given it any thought whatsoever, but if we were to rank running back duos or running back groups in the history of the program, the Ricky Priest Holmes, Sean Mitchell backfield is the only one that just absolutely jumps to mind. I'm, I guess in modern years, Cedric Benson and Selvin Young, that 2005, Jamal, Ramont, Taylor, Selvin Young. I mean, they've had good backfields, but last year's was top, top shelf. It, it, it created a scenario where we talked about through all of last season, when you get to the fourth quarter, let those running backs carry the day. They didn't do it against Oklahoma State. They had um, really Quinn, I think he threw it 49 times that game. Maybe he even cracked 50, I can't remember. Uh, and But then they play the Baylor game, and then they just run the ball out. And it was as if Sark learned from the Oklahoma State game into the Baylor game. I don't know that that will be an option this year. Like, I think when he says about the trust level with Quinn, I don't know how to completely talk about that because I don't know how he can earn trust until he does it in the season. But over the 12 games this season on war, I do feel like the responsibility will be Quinn's this season, even more than it was a year ago in a year where Sarkeesian, you go back and look at those ranked game performances other than, Oh, there was one where the maybe the Kansas State game he threw it like 24 times, but those other games against ranked teams, he threw the ball up over 40 times per game. And I think we'll probably see more of that this year. And it'll be about getting more out of those 40 throws than they were able to get a year ago. I mean, I don't want to overreact to what I'm about to say, but I, I'm just I'm, I'm going to say with all due respect, uh, you know, to the running backs. It's <laughs> With all due respect, what happened? What did Barry say? He's it's on the screen. Oh, uh, okay. Um, with with all due respect to running backs, it's 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 a it's overrated. Like it and you know, it's it, it's just it's it's very overrated at this point. It's about the quarterback. You had yes, you had Bijan and Roshan. Yeah, how do you replace those guys? Like, in all due respect, and I'm not saying these guys weren't talented or weren't good. They Texas finished eight and four. We saw Deontay Foreman rush for 2,000 yards in a season. Texas finished 5-7. and seven. You guys saw Ricky Williams rush for nearly 2,000 yards in, what was it, 97? And that was a four-win team? Yep. So, you know, I, I hear what we're saying about the running backs. How do you replace the running backs? What do you do about the running backs? It's about having, making sure your quarterback can get the job done because we've seen a lot of, a lot of high level elite level running backs here at Texas and it not yield you know a lot of results i'm not saying we had to, you haven't seen good running backs but the whole like how do you replace beach no to alex i think alex what alex is saying is great uh, and i think it's a great point you know you have good running backs and that's what you probably need is a good court running back you need an elite quarterback and as long as you can have if you have an elite quarterback that you can rely on that's going to be the thing that leads you over the top. So for me, it's about, like, to, to your point, kind of circle all back in. Quinn, he's got the weapons. He's got the A.D. Mitchells, Xavier Worthies. Uh, he's got the Jatavian Sanders of the world. So he's got enough weapons to, to play with. Jontae Cook, the list is, is pretty long uh, at this point. You know, he's got enough to work with, and I think he's the guy that you have to lean on to say he's got to win you the games in the fourth quarter, more so than any of the running backs. 
I will say, Jay, I feel you on this. Yeah, I was, he, he, makes a, he makes an okay point here. I mean, because that's the main thing in my brain, you know, because he asked why you should drink the Kool-Aid when they never – like, he's basically saying, why give him the benefit of the doubt, catch? And that's the thing you and I and I think Jason, we all struggle with it. We're just like, man, you know, we're, we're chalking this thing up for 10 wins. Here we go. We're giving them the benefit of the doubt whenever they, they don't really deserve it based on what we've seen thus far with Sark at Texas. But to me, like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you had the point that you, that you were going to make, but – like it makes perfect sense to me like this this way of thinking what i'm saying is i've overcome this way of thinking with my you know my examination of the roster and and you know the fact that as as we discussed it's really hard to poke holes in it didn't didn't urban meyer say something the other week about having one of the best rosters in college football the best the best which is cockamamie right but it's it it goes to show that 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 when people think about this stuff and, you know, Urban Meyer, say what you will about him. I mean, he's a he's a serious person. You know, it's, I wouldn't consider him unserious. He's a though. troll. Right. Everything is made with, like, what does this do for him in mind? I'm Probably. convinced he still thinks the Texas job looks a lot better based on the recruiting of Steve Sarkeesian. So, yeah, set that guy up to fail and swoop in and rebuild your brand. But I'm here's the thing. Can I? Can I add in on the Jay thing? I mean, and I would just say this, Jay, Texas won eight games last year. It, it, I, it's, I don't feel like it's it's taken a huge step to say, uh, you have fun. That's fun. never rings unless we're on the air. Yeah. Uh, that thing, that it, 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 I don't think it's a huge leap. To say you think Texas could be two wins better than they were last season, like I don't, I don't feel like we're stretching that far to say two wins. And I know, look, any you know, as many games as Texas could, could have won last year, they could have lost. So I, I get how that works, but you know, they're they're, they're a field goal away, a twenty yard field goal away from beating a, a team like an Alabama. Like there's certain things I can talk myself into and saying there's enough. Things and then you're talking about doing this and being getting eight wins, but basically like one receiver who was like a deep threat, and then Texas didn't really even have a deep threat. And you feel like they have more now. So uh, in any case, I I don't think it's a huge stretch for me, Jay. One more super <laughs> chat that we've got. Uh, you guys keep sending them in though. We'll keep taking them. Tyler says, "When is the last time Texas has retained an OCDC three years in a row?" The DC would be Vance, right? And then before that, yeah. Mush Camp in 2008 through 2010. Todd Orlando was here for three seasons, wasn't he? And then the last year is when right. they brought in Chris Ash. No, you're right. Yeah. You are correct. Offensive coordinator. Yeah. When's the last time they did both, though? Oh. Both at the same time. Like, I mean, to go back to well, Greg, Greg Davis and yeah. Must. From 2008 Must, to 2010. Must Champ? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because remember, in 2010, that was, you know, Muschamp was a head coach in waiting, and he hadn't taken that Florida job just yet. It's also tough, Jason, because kind of Sark is kind of the OC. So, you know, it's kind of – it's like the head coach, really. You know, it's it's kind of a tough one, even though I know Kyle Flood has it in in title. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think we had one more. No, I think Jay. I'm trying to pull it up. Someone keeps on. 
Jay just wanted to say, keep receipts. I have no issue being wrong. I want to be. I just can't buy in at the moment. Let's just keep talking. Jay keeps sending in that money. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. By, by, by like 2 o'clock, Jay would have dropped like 500. We keep telling Jay to get out of here. We're like, stick around, Jay. <laughs> at this point, it's been like a lap dance. You know, like like 15 bucks, 20 bucks so far. So, Jay, you're good. You, you spent $20 or $15 over 30 minutes as opposed to $20 in three minutes. So, there you go. Jay, uh, I'd rather another, die believe, uh, Jay, I'd rather die believing something will happen than live admitting that it won't. The senior yearbook quote right there. Uh, trip, buy or sell. Texas beats Bama, but turns around and loses a trap game to Wyoming. You someone so paid, sell that. So, someone paid four ninety nine for that, huh? Wait, <laughs> oh. <laughs> we would have ignored it actually. To be fair, to be fair, we would have ignored it if it was if he didn't put a super chat on it. So to be fair, it is a good way to get an answer. I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about Wyoming. If Alabama was at home and Wyoming was on the road, and maybe Wyoming was a fairly decent, then I would be like, okay, that makes a little bit of sense, a trap game. But coming back home to face Wyoming uh, in Austin, I don't see Texas stumbling in that game again. I don't know. Wyoming may be a competitive team in whatever conference they're in. I don't know, but I mean, that's, I don't see that being a trap game, regardless of what happens. Would, I, would, the, I think the better question is would that make for the worst meltdown in Orange Blood's history? <laughs> no. It'd be up I mean, there. Yeah. I'm going to be the worst, but yeah. It, it, it's not like Red Banquet level, but it'd be. It would be horrible, Ketchum. It would be. <laughs> It would be, we would we wouldn't get we we would have to like assign shifts and slack like people would have to be up like from like the two a.m. to four a.m. shift to make sure that the board just didn't burn down. Well, how many days? <laughs> it probably like, for the rest of the week. Like, geez. I think the trip. I'm going to save Trip's question though. Although I would I would contend he's got his five bucks worth because I think the, the the conversation since the question has been it's entertained me at least. As I was reading the sentence, if that question is buy or sell Texas beats Bama, but turns around and loses a game later in the season that it shouldn't, I would buy. Me too. Me too. Well, I don't know that I'm quite ready to say that Texas beats Bama, but I do. I am with everybody that thinks that's a very winnable game. At least Texas knows who its quarterback is going to be. Bama goes into August not really knowing. So, and Texas gets them early. So, you don't have to twist my arm. As I think the biggest doubter of this team right now, the Bama game is not scary. Uh, let's see. Jarrett with another super chat question. Uh, hey, y'all, since we're on the topic, how do you see the running back depth chart pan out? Alex, I'll go to you on this. I want to hear what you have to say. Does Keelan make a push for RB1? Where would Savion Red fall? This is one of the tougher things. It's a good question because Savion Red and Keelan Robinson, from what we've seen out of him, what we've seen out of Keelan so far, um, Red and Keelan look to me very like very redundant players. Um, and I think that Savion Red actually looks better. I, I just the whole RB one thing. We've seen what a massive failure that was in the bowl game. It simply can't happen. So he will not make a push to be RB1. Um, 
I think Savion Red is going to I if I if I had to put money down on it, I would say that Savion Red has a higher snap percentage than Keelan does next season. Um just because they've talked so much about how they're going to use him. Um, I did notice. What's he on the ro- is, is is he on the roster at two fifteen? I I I noticed yeah. he looked bigger than you know. He's 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 bigger. He's bulkier. He he, he can he can run between the tackles. But they also talk about all the ways they can use him on screens, bubbles, stuff like that. You saw in the in in the spring game. They all I think he threw like two different balls. They tried to get him as back there as some kind of wildcatty quarterback a couple times. So. I think that he'll be more, but both those guys to me feel like complimentary type of pieces. They feel like they can move around. They can keep in there to not allow the defense to substitute out, right? They can put those guys in the slot. The defense can't sub whenever they don't make the sub. So I would say that's how I see those two guys. And with the other three, I I guess I'd probably put it at like a – I don't know. I – it's hard, man. I, I think I just hedge right now and say like 40% Jonathan Brooks, 30% Baxter, 30% Blue. Um, but that would be so unlike what we've seen out of Sark so far. Granted, he's had one elite superstar running back and one super, super entrenched, really good backup. But if you go back through his entire career, he always has these thousand-yard rushers. I wonder if one of those guys is just going to be the guy who he eventually leans into and if we're looking at the pure talent for the guy who you're eventually going to lean into, to me, from what I've seen out of C.J. Baxter, I mean, I know he's only going to be a freshman, but um, from a pure talent perspective, if talent wins out, I, I think I, I think I lean him. But, you know, Brooks has looked good in the past. We know that Jaden Blue was a lot of talk at camp. So it's a really tough question to answer. It's a good question. I would say if I had to say it right now, I'd say, four, you know, you know, 10%, 10% of total snaps, maybe 15% of total snaps but, but between Keelan and Red. You know, I said 30, 30, 40, but that doesn't. So then it would be, what, 85% left over. So maybe 25, 25, 20, and 40, 40%. Um, Brooks, 25%. Um, Baxter, 20% blue, 15% mixed between Keelan and Red. I just made my head hurt, Alex. The only thing I would throw in there, Alex, I wouldn't completely sleep not not Keelan as RB one, but I'm convinced that the last time this team played a football game, this team made a mini commitment to Keelan to keep him out of the portal as a grad transfer potentially. Like his usage made zero sense. It seemed to serve the purpose of letting Keelan know that going into next year, he was going to be more heavily in the mix based on how he was used in that game. He did lead the running back position in receptions last year with 25, I think. And I think uh, Bijan was second with 24. So I think he will come back into the team and be ahead of Savion Red in the depth chart at that position. It will be interesting to see at the end of August, September, October, if Savion takes over that role, I, I think it's possible. How many well, touches can you get? How many touches can you get in that? Give to that role in total, and those two guys are the same. Keelan and Red are going to play the same thing. It's like I'm just telling you, this coaching staff really likes Keelan Robinson. Well, but don't they really like Ad Mitchell and Xavier Worthy and JT Sanders and Jordan Whittington and like I mean, it's like there's not. I just I'm don't only know. talking about in this niche role that. Right. He kind of had a year ago 
I think the real conversation, I think you've nailed probably how the percentages play out among the top backs. I don't, I think the real interesting question is in this niche role that Keelan Robinson played a year ago and that Savion Red kind of specialized in, in the spring while Keelan wasn't playing. And I think, like you said, they used him a little bit as kind of a wild caddy guy that can even throw the ball. Like he's got a little bit more of a diverse skill set than Keelan Robinson, but is nowhere near the breakaway threat with the ball in his hands that Keelan Robinson. They are different guys to a certain extent. I'm I don't I don't personally have a complete feel for how those guys will get their breadcrumbs in the offense because you like you said there's a million guys with mouths to feed, including Jatavion Sanders, who has to get more targets in the passing game than at times he did uh, when he was kind of marginalized and mitigated in this offense. So but uh, I, I don't completely dis, like, dismiss Keelan Robinson as a non-factor in the run game. I think that's why it's a good question there from Jareth M. It's a, it's a tough one to answer. Anybody else? We can move on if anybody else has any more running back thoughts. I don't see anybody itching to make a comment. All right, no, we're I agree with Alex. It's almost impossible to answer coming out of the spring. I'll just say, I don't know that anybody took quote unquote, the bull by the horns. I still think Jonathan Brooks might be the lead back. Um, but I don't really, I'm like, Alex, man, I don't know what to expect. I just, you know, based on what I saw in the spring game, I didn't see anything from one of those guys. Like, okay. That guy has got all the momentum coming out of spring. Uh, people forget Jonathan Brooks is really, really good when he's healthy people inside the Texas staff, uh, you know, really high on him. They have been ever since he was a recruit. Thought he was the number one back in the country. I had one person tell me when he was in high school. Um, I still think it might be Jonathan Brooks being the main guy and then the other uh, other carries get divided up behind him. But if C.J. Baxter is your starter game one, that wouldn't shock me either. I mean, it, it's, it's a tough one to call. Should be noted for the record that Baxter's really – the Sark guy amongst all these people, right? I mean, if we were to pick one guy that it would behoove the program to have take off, if you want to recruit future five-star running backs, point them to your current five-star running back and say, hey, the moment you show up, look at C.J. Baxter. You've got a chance to play right away, to get heavy snaps. And I think as the season goes along, he's a guy that's going to be harder to keep off the field in November than September and onward. That might be the ace up the sleeve for this team this season is that they've got so many young guys. They should be a better football team in November than they are in September. And a year ago, the thing that I said I wanted to see from this team was be better in September than they were in August, be better in October than they were in September, be better in November than they were in October. They didn't do that a year ago, but you can see with so many young guys, I mean, I can close my eyes and imagine the light switch coming on for CJ Baxter in week six. And then suddenly the offense takes a, a step up from whatever it's been prior, which may still be really good, but it even elevates even more. Maybe a John Tate cook does the same thing. Maybe it's week eight and you haven't seen much of John Tate cook. And then suddenly, hey, there's a 40-yard touchdown catch. Where'd that come from? And suddenly you start to see a little bit more of him integrated. 
A.D. Mitchell, I think, is a guy that's going to should be better in October than September. This is a team that should be better at the end of the season. Well, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this is why we can wrap our heads around 10 wins just because of the talent and the depth. You know, it was interesting when I was listening to, like, Jason and Alex, all you guys talking about the running back room and the depth there. Like, none of us were just saying, like, these guys are suck and you know someone's got to win it by default we everyone was kind of like you know these guys are good and just trying to figure out who's the guy that you you put in there you talked about you know last year everything kind of falls apart from an offensive standpoint when isaiah nayer gets injured like it's just they don't have they don't have any deep threat at that point and then all of a sudden you looked at it now and you're like if an injury happens in that room knock on wood you look at it and say man you feel pretty good about the weapons that are, that are that are there, whether it's the AD Mitchells, like I said, Xavier's, Jonte, who you just you know mentioned, Jordan Winston, you feel pretty good about you know all of that. You know, you feel pretty good about the offensive line. You know, where you have an injury to Cole Hudson uh, in this spring, and then you got other guys who are getting worked in, and then all of a sudden there's the emergence of a Cam Williams. You know, yeah. It, and you're saying to yourself, oh, okay, man, like, okay, cool. Like, you, nowadays you may get hurt, you may lose your job, you know? And so there's talent that's there. There's 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 a lot uh, on both sides of, of the ball. I mean, I can go down the whole list, but um, I think this is a team from a, for that one. Uh, Sarkis said he likes it. He says he feels comfortable with it. Uh, I think he's got what he needs there. And then this is a team that should technically be getting better because at the end of the day, uh, if you don't, if you have a guy that's not producing, I think I feel I feel like there's finally guys behind you that can probably come in and take your job and do better. Let's jump into parting shots. I don't see any other uh, super chat questions. Anybody going once, going twice? If somebody jumps in with a super chat, maybe we will uh, we'll, we'll break into that. But I like where the conversation's been. I didn't freeze, did I? Benji says no. Okay. You were just holding very still. That's what they say about me. Uh, Alex, you got a party shot for us today? Yeah, man. Bring bring the rain, please. All of it. It's been I, I've been seeing there's rain chances. There's rain chances all week, dude. They started on like Saturday night and like I didn't get any rain in my house. We've been getting some of this rain, but I'll keep looking at the radar. It looks looks like it's coming. It sounded like you had some thunder down there at your house, Cash. Lots of rain in the woodlands. Yeah. Well, it's been it's it's kind of it's weird. We're so used to from the rain coming from the north and northwest. It's coming up at us now from the from the southeast. So we'll see if it makes it up here to the Austin area in the hill country. We can certainly we we can certainly use it, especially over the Highland Lakes, because as you know, I'm obsessed with Lake Travis getting up twelve feet so I can put my damn boat in again. What are the um, lake levels at Travis right now? If we're we're forty eight percent. I think it's down at uh it's uh, six it needs to get up to like six. It needs to get up to six fifty. I think it's down at six thirty eight. Oh my god! Yeah, six eighty one's full. I think some someone will call me out on that, but it's it's, it's pretty. I can close. remember it being over seven hundred. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, th I think they say if it gets to like if it gets much over seven hundred, it goes over the top of that dam. It goes over the top of the dam. But uh, yeah. So yeah, we need we need the rain. Lake Travis, yes. Back back to six eighty one was what Kirk Jones says. That that that's what we need. So. Spring on the rain. Let's have you know. I don't want Lano to flood too bad, but maybe maybe if they could flood just just a little bit and let some of those dams out for us. I like that, Alex. We can't really go two or three weeks without Alex asking somebody for something on the show. <laughs> and today he's asking for all of us by asking for rain. Yeah, and a boy, Alex. Uh, what about you, Alwar? 
Alex is our inspiration. Like I, I mocked and laughed at Alex until I saw it work. And then I'm like, that's what I got to do. So anytime <laughs> <laughs> we were the beneficiaries of a steak dinner in Houston <laughs> for that. One of the better dinners I've had. I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, he doesn't work there anymore, by the way, catch. Which it was is still good. It was still good, but I wish he worked there, though. It gave away too many free steak dinners. <laughs> <laughs> we pumped it up. Uh, I, 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 I will lose uh, 90% of people with this, what I'm about to say. I, as, as Since my kid is is now in, you know playing soccer and we're getting into this whole soccer world, I have been watching a lot of soccer on television. Um and I'm in I'm in hunt for a favorite team. I'm in hunt for a favorite team right now. Uh, outside of Austin FC, I have that. Uh, I, I like Liverpool. Could catch this team, but I I saw Newcastle over the weekend and they lost to Arsenal. But Newcastle seemed really intriguing uh, to me. So uh, if you've got a, a a team for me, and Man City seems like too much of an easy choice because they're they're too good. So, uh, so I don't want to do a bandwagon thing. Um, that Holland guy is pretty damn good. Yeah, I, let me know who is the the Premier League team that I need to follow. That's that's all my that's my parting shot. I need help as a newbie to tell you need to tell me this is your this is your team, Mom, or that's the team that you're watching. I'm not okay with anything but Man City because <laughs> it's not even a real football team. Like, there's no real history there. Yeah. They fake their finances so that they can be eligible. It's just it's is it's, is is that one of the Stan Kroenke owns? Or? No, he's Arsenal. Oh, okay, like I'm, I I can live with anything, man. And Man City would feel like you being a Lakers or like being a Warriors fan today. It's like, oh. but you know what? When I went to England, I actually went to a Man City game though. I know who they play. And- Sunderland, I believe. Uh, you can't be a Sunderland fan. Actually, you could, <laughs> but boy, that's that's a chore. They're not even in the Premier League, so yeah, yeah, I don't think they are anymore. You'd have some problems. Uh, Jason, party shots. Yeah, I saw a, a couple super chats. Someone asked about. Uh, there's that one, and then go fit Newcastle. Okay. Someone asked about Sooner Scoop leaving. Again, um, Newcastle's owned by a state, like. Don't pick somebody who's got unlimited funds to buy their way to whatever levels they get to. Sorry, many rants like, over. Like my Yankees who are in last place right now. Talk about Sooner Scoop leaving rivals. I'll just say, a, I'll jump in on that. Uh, yeah, those guys left after a long time, and um, but rivals really replaced them with some really good guys. I, I met them and saw them at the rivals camp on Sunday and, those guys have been around for a while, the OU Insider. They do really good work. I'm going to miss the Sooner Scoop guys. I mean, I consider those guys friends. But in terms of content and relationships and sharing information, Rivals really brought in a good group uh, of Oklahoma reporters. So um, we'll be working closely with those OU Insider guys moving forward. Um, my parting shot, I mentioned the Rivals camp. Uh, I was up there on Sunday. And the big news out of that is Michael Fasusi, the – Offensive lineman, 2025 offensive lineman. Texas has been working hard to get that kid on campus for a long time. He is visiting uh, this Friday. Toby's looking forward. He's coming with his family, looking uh, forward to meeting the coaching staff. Uh, Kyle Flood, Coach Sark. 
I think Texas needs to knock that one out of the park this weekend because I think Oklahoma, he hasn't said it. He claims he's pretty open, but just talking to him, he sure seems to talk more about Oklahoma than anybody else. So look for Texas to try to make a, a move on uh, Michael Fasusi this weekend. And then my last part of my parting shot, I don't know if y'all even remember, I mentioned it a couple months ago, how about my buddy was insisting on going to Vegas with me for my 50th birthday with me and my wife. And I said, no, no, no. So I'm going back to Vegas. I'll be filing my war room from Vegas tomorrow. Nice. Uh, Jason, yeah, Jason Howell will be joining us in Vegas. Uh, Homer uh, Ketch, you you know Homer, oh, yeah. of course. Of course. Yeah, so a bunch of my high, a bunch of us all turned – Homer didn't, but a, bun, a bunch of my other buddies who all turned 50 within the last three or four months. So we're going to make a quick uh, 48-hour jaunt out to Vegas. So I'll be filing my war room from Vegas. So Ketch, be ready to give it a good proofing <laughs> tomorrow night. Shout out to uh, Shelly, Homer's wife. I will never forget – because my birthday is like in a week and it had to have been like 20, 25 years ago. That's how long Jason and I and some mm. of his relationship with Homer going back even further on my birthday. One year we went to Tinseltown movie theater. Uh, Jason and I, I think we're going to go. And then at the last minute we invited Homer and Shelly and Shelly showed up on my birthday and gave me a flower. Yeah. And it was like the only time anybody's ever given me a flower on my birthday. So uh, good I've people. Shelly, yeah. Shelly and Homer. Truth be told, I'm going to write my war room tonight and in uh, tomorrow. So you'll have it. Uh, you'll have it before I get to Vegas, but it'll be getting filed from uh, from Vegas. Yes. I like that people are lobbying for you to become a fan of their team. I'm actually going to meet tomorrow a Liverpool friend of mine who is lives in Singapore. Hmm. He is the Singapore He's the president of the Liverpool fan club in Singapore. And if I'm not mistaken, he is the CFO of One Fighting, which is kind of the Asian uh, UFC, although they have been competing um, in Texas for or in the U.S. a lot more recently. Uh, he's actually coming into town to scout all the various arenas in the state. Houston. He's going to the Cedar Park Center to see if that might be a good place for a one fighting championship uh, deal. So, yeah. Onward, the thing that you will learn is that you will become even more international the moment you do pick your team. Because, like, I've got friends literally all over the globe, all because of my newfound soccer addiction that exists. Well, there's a there's a J, J, first of all JD activist. Someone said Jay is he the new El Presidente with the fu money because <laughs> it was just like I'm getting my comments up. <laughs> he he was he was strong on Newcastle for me though. So yeah, the wanna... thing that he's doing on War is that it's five bucks a pop. Yeah, so he's not going super cheap, but he's not using it all in one big shot either. He's He's kind of instead of nickel and diamond us, he's been giving us half dollars in the form of five dollars, and he keeps on making us. He keeps on jumping in the. It's a good. It's a good lesson for everybody. You can become a massive part of the show. Trickle that five bucks at a time in, just like Jay. Uh, my parting shot. I hate to take it down a notch, but I do want to take a moment to pass on my condolences to the family of Lance Blanks, uh, all of his friends, uh, P 
people, really the, the Longhorn Nation and, and all the teams that he would have was affiliated with over the years, being drafted by the Detroit Pistons, being a part of that bad boys team at the very end of their title uh, run. And I think he was drafted the year after they won their last title. Um, I had Lance Blanks on my radio show all the time. And the cool thing about Lance, it was like Lance is a GM of an NBA team, but he loved his Longhorns. And I could send him a message via text at any point. It always felt like he was like, sure. As like, he never turned me down that I can remember. And he was always down for a really good conversation. It was just a really really good guy. And what's unique about Lance Blanks, and I wrote about this uh, over at orangebloods.com, but he's part of a basketball team and that um, BMW team from 8990 under Tom Penders with Travis Mays uh, and Court, uh, and Joey Wright, where they made me interested in Texas. I don't know if there's an orangebloods.com I mean, there would be a Texas site in the rivals, but I don't know that there, it, it, it wouldn't be run by me had it not been, I think, for the basketball team that he was a part of that really turned me on to paying attention to University of Texas athletics beyond hating University of Texas athletics. Having been a Baylor fan for so long, uh, having grown up in Waco, I moved to Austin and that BMW team just – won my heart over and four years later i'm a student at the university of texas like it happened really quickly and i don't know that it does without that happening i always resisted as a kid jason texas football but for that team like cracked the doors down and made it possible because that tournament run that they had was so special uh, the Lance dance against Xavier that the Longhorns did that again this year in the same round and get to the elite eight. And the Lance dance was kind of brought back to the forefront to see Lance. Um, and it's been confirmed that he committed suicide to see that happen. is absolutely heartbreaking because I don't know that that guy knows how many lives he really touched. And I read an article over at ESPN.com today. It's on Orange Bloods. Uh, I tweeted about it. His daughter, one of his three daughters, I think his oldest daughter, wrote such an amazing piece kind of sorting through her feelings of losing her father uh, that when it was over with, I was convinced she was a professional writer. Like, she didn't just write that. And I was like, she's got to be a pro. And it turns out she is in the industry. She does produce content. She is a bit of an artist, if you will. So it made total sense that she was able to do that. It's an amazing read. Uh, give it a read. Uh, it's worth your time, maybe 15 minutes today. And call somebody that you love, that you think you that might need a phone call. Because if anything, the Lance Blank situation from last week is a reminder that you can't tell people enough how much they mean to you, how much you care about them. You never know what's going through someone's head. You never know what they're going through because maybe they're not talking about it. And if you're a guy, 
we oftentimes have a hard time talking to other guys about these kinds of things. Crack down that wall, break down that wall, because there will be a lot of people in Lance Blanks's life who will, for the rest of their days, wonder, what if, what if you make one more phone call? What if you send an email? What if you do one more thing? It's a tough game to play. Let's be on the front foot on something like this. Let's make those calls before they're ever needed to be made. Call someone today. Call two people today. Call three people today. Reconnect with somebody. Let them know that you're thinking about them. Set up a lunch. Put something on the books. Be more involved uh, because it's our loss that Lance Blanks is no longer with us. And uh, it's, it's a shame, really, knowing that it ended for him the way that it did. And to see all of the love and outpouring of support that he had after the fact, it's just one of the devastating elements of such a thing. And if we can prevent that, let's do everything that we can to do absolutely that. Uh, for myself, for Anwar Richardson, Alex, Jason, do us a solid. Like this video, subscribe to the page, notifications, all the whistles and bells. We would love that. Appreciate that from you. Uh, until next week, we will do it on war tomorrow on The Drunk Uncle. But for the Modcast, we'll see you next week. Uh, you guys have a great rest of the week, and let's get some rain. Later.